Hey everyone, uh, before we jump into today's show, uh, a couple of quick notes. Uh, first, wishing our best and a speedy recovery to All Around Good Guy and actually one of the first guests on the Endurance Innovation podcast, uh, Nathan Killam, who had a, uh, a, I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but a, a very Canadian encounter uh, on, a, on a descent in Arrow on his Ventum with, uh, with a black bear, uh, I believe. Well, some kind of bear anyway. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure how well the bear did in the encounter, but uh, Nathan seems to be okay. His bike, not so much. I've never actually seen a she- uh, the steer tube sheared on a bike like that. Um, so you can you, you know that that impact was uh, was legit. So Nathan, hopefully you're recovering well and uh, looking forward to your exploits uh, once you're back on two wheels. Um, and the other note is uh, we did have some audio issues on Andrew's line on this one. So there's a little bit of background noise, but it's still very legible. And uh, I do think it's a very worthwhile conversation. So I hope you, you folks will uh, bear with us. And uh, we promise to look at it for the next recording. Thanks. And uh, on with the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. Today we've got, uh, well, just Michael and myself, but we're going to talk about a few different topics. Um, First off, we've got a little bit of housekeeping, and we wanted to address some of our listener questions and just acknowledge that uh, we have received your feedback and we love getting it. And we really appreciate the suggestions and the questions that you send along. Um, The other half of the episode is something that's uh, pretty near and dear to me. Uh, It's a much more serious topic than our optimal baldness that we did last time. Uh, (laughs) But I would like to take a, a bit of a dive into Uh, some of the aspects of mental health struggles and how athletics can help with that. And uh, just talking just very high level about uh, some of the struggles people go through. Um, This is something that has affected me for a whole chunk of my life. Um, I've been very closed about it in the past, but I think it deserves a much broader conversation. And just people need to start, I think, acknowledging it a little bit more and and be more open about it and not being ashamed of it. And this is something that I fell into the trap of for many years. So I would like to make this very public and and get the conversation going. But before we get into that that less happy topic, why don't we touch on the, the listener questions and the listener feedback? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Definitely an important topic of conversation. Uh, but as you mentioned, before we do that, uh, there are a couple of uh, things that we want to mention. So first of all, I want to give a, a shout out and a thank you to our two most recent uh, Patreon supporters, uh, Daniel and Rusty, who have not given me permission to use their last name, so I will not do that. Uh, thank you, gents, for um, for pledging to support the show and helping us helping us make it. We, we really do appreciate it. And of course, mm-hmm. uh, if you have any questions or any episode requests um you know you now have a direct line to us and uh speaking of requests we had one come in um through instagram uh, from uh, a female athlete who was asking for uh, for us to specifically cite research on the effects of uh training and racing in the heat on female athletes. And this is something that we admittedly uh, didn't do, or we didn't, we certainly didn't look at it. Uh, we looked at it from the, the, you know, 
the broad spectrum of research, which, which of course, as we've mentioned in the past on the show, tends to be uh, male. Uh, but we do have a couple of ideas for guests who can speak to um, the topic from the female athlete perspective. And we are working on getting those folks, or at least one of those folks, on the show. Yeah, and I do know that in some of the research that's been done in the past, including the study that we did on the, um, uh, the gastrointestinal temperature uh, with the, the risk ruling, um, that one was, uh, it was an interesting scenario because we had to disregard some of the, the female athletes because of the, the time in their menstrual, menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and how it impacts the core body temperature. So it was, it was adding a lot of noise to the data. It's just a variable that we hadn't accounted for in the experimental design. Um, so this is something that definitely needs more attention, more focus. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's very worthy of another full discussion. Absolutely. So, uh, thank you for the, thank you for that request. Uh, and I know that we are working on it. Um, we had another request come in. This was some time ago, uh, asking us to do, uh, equipment reviews. And so, uh, you know, as listeners to the show, you, you probably know that Andrew and I are, are, you know, somewhat opinionated on our, maybe just me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk about you, man. Maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm opinionated on, uh, on equipment and, uh, uh, especially on the tech side of things and the utility of some of the stuff. Um, but, uh, rather than do kind of, uh, you know, a, a broad strokes, here's which, aero helmets we like and here are the bike frames that we like um i think what what makes the most sense uh, and what fits with the ethos of the show is uh is dealing on dealing with innovative products as they come on the market or as we learn about them because that's kind of the you know that is the point of the show that is the that is what we're trying to cover here um and so uh rather than doing uh, a broad swath of uh, gear review we will probably focus on individual uh, pieces of tech um, as we learn about them. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan, and I'm looking forward to it. Our one limitation is we don't always have access directly to the more expensive pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone out there has connections and they want to send us free gear, uh, we would not say no to that. We would be very <laughs> happy to review it. For sure, and of course, we'll also be you know fully upfront when we say when we say that uh, we were given this piece of kit as a. Uh, you know, uh, to for for the purposes of review, just like mm-hmm. we did with the the core temp sensor. Because I know Andrew, I think you paid for yours, but I got mine. I, uh, I got mine from the guys at Core uh, at no cost, which for which I'm grateful. But uh, you know, we're still we we while we mentioned that in our in talking about those devices, we're we're still I would like to think pretty objective with our opinions on them. All right. Well, why don't we jump into the the mental health discussion? Because um, this is something, like I said, it's something I've been wanting to talk about for a little while. Um, and I'm going to be very open and frank during this entire conversation. And it's it's not particularly easy for me because I've been pretty guarded about it in the past. Um, so this is, I think this is actually for me a big personal step as well. Um, but what got me thinking about this um, is I actually saw an article a couple, couple months ago now, but it was discussing the, the link between exercise and mental health. And specifically that um, when, when you develop lactate in your muscles, so during exercise to exhaustion, uh, this would actually act as a bit of an antidepressant. So there was, the, the research was indicating it was something in between the lactate conversion to pyruvate. Um, and there, there is antidepressant properties about this. Uh, it's an antioxidant, some other things, but uh, they don't know the exact mechanism. But they did find a correlation um, with the general mental health of people. Hmm. 
And I think this is something that intuitively a lot of people would would gather because exercise, I believe, has long been linked to to feeling better about yourself, to feeling uh, just better in general, having better health. Like there's, uh, I remember hearing a a quote uh, saying that if a pharmaceutical company could put all the benefits of exercise into a pill, it would be the best selling pill ever. And it's something that doesn't really cost us anything. So, um, so anyone who's listening is probably already on the right track. And it would be interesting to get feedback um, from those who are open and willing to talk about whether or not they've had mental health struggles, but uh, whether they feel that, um, that exercise does lead to improvements with that. Yeah, I think, uh, well, thank you for, for sharing that, Andrew, because uh, I think it is a very important uh, kind of component of obviously overall well-being, but also well-being in the much more narrow um, context of, of, you know, us, us as endurance athletes, whether or not we're professional or just kind of, you know, weekend warrior recreational folks. Um, that mental health component is is absolutely critical in performing at your best. So it's it's an important conversation to have from, from both of those lenses and i i will also share my own uh, my own uh you know my own experience with uh, my own struggles with it um but uh it's important to say that you know the, <laughs> i think i think this goes without saying but i'm going to say it just so just so that we're we're, we're we've kind of dotted our eyes that we're we're by no means experts in the field we're not you know, we're, we're a couple of mechanical engineers. We're not psychiatrists or psychologists or counselors. Uh, and so we're going to do our best to kind of uh, stay in our lane on this one and then and talk about our own experiences um, so that we don't, uh, you know, we don't project our own our own biases or our, 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 our own understanding of the of the space onto the experience of others. Because there have been a lot of very public, uh, very high profile athletes in, let's say, even in endurance sport and another sport that have uh, talked about this in the past. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fodder out there and, and, you know, a lot of both very supportive and very positive messages and a lot of like really shitty stuff that people have said. Uh, about these people at the same time. So, you know, in our own very small way, as Andrew said, uh, we'd love to, you know, throw our uh, throw in with with the people talking about this and and normalizing uh, these kind of conversations to uh, maybe hopefully, hopefully make it a little bit easier for other people to do the same. Yeah. And really, it just takes uh, this this groundswell of momentum, people talking about it um, in order to, to normalize the conversation. And I think in the past 10 years, it's become much much more open. Mm -hmm. uh, we still have a long way to go because we did see some of the Twitter reactions and the social media reactions to um, some of the Olympic athletes and their, uh, their own struggles with mental health. But um, I think bring it back into my own experience and context. Um, I often used my training as actually a bit of a refuge. So when I was having a tough time with outside life, I would really dive into the training. And to some extent, I think there was a direct benefit of the actual exercise, but at the same time, I was also using it to isolate myself from, uh, from friends and family and those who, who cared for me. Um, so I think at some point, it, it's all about moderation, and at some point you do get too obsessed, and being aware or at least being open to hearing feedback from other people about how much is too much when you really invest your all of your energy into something in an attempt to improve your mental health, um, I think that can be pretty harmful as well. Um, but it is something to be cognizant of, I think, uh, just that you can go too far. Anything done to excess can be problematic. So 
Uh, some people dive into drugs or alcohol. Some people dive into exercise. And you, you have to be aware of what you're exposing yourself to and the, the potential implications there. Uh, so one of the, um, probably one of the Canadian athletes that I think most people associate with uh, at least a positive image in, in discussing mental health is Clara Hughes. Um, and kudos to her for being open about her own struggles with mental health. And, and for those of you who don't know the name, Clara was, uh, she was in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. Uh, and I believe she medaled in both the Summer and Winter Olympics, which is pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was uh, initially a cyclist, and, and uh, I believe she went to speed skating afterwards. Um, so she's a phenomenal athlete. Um, she's got a very decorated background. But she came out about her struggles with mental health, and she said it was a number of years that she dealt with this, and she's become essentially the, the spokesperson for, uh, for Bell Canada in um, their Mental Health Awareness Month in, in February, I believe. So her name is usually synonymous with these discussions about mental health, and she's been open about her own past. But it's by no means limited to her. Um, there are a number of other athletes who I suspect people will be more familiar with here, um, like Lionel Sanders, who has uh, been open about his own struggles in the past, and he had a bit of a dark history. Um, and he has been uh, very forthcoming, which is, I think, something that's a credit to uh, everyone else who is struggling, because it, it helps them feel... Uh, that someone so successful can can come from a dark place and can turn their life around. Um, so it's it's encouraging to see people become outspoken like that. I know even Cody Beals has had struggles, um, and he's uh, he's been fairly open about that as well. Um, and then the other, I, I would say, one of the highest profile recent struggles was Simone Biles in the Olympics, where she stepped out of the. U.S. women's gymnastics competition because she was having issues. Yeah, so the Simone Biles case is really interesting. She's uh, she's been very open about it too, and it's it's kind of the, the freshest one in my mind because it's it's just been so recent and so high profile. And she it was you know her, her words were that she she withdrew because she just didn't feel safe in that uh, in that sport and uh, being it, being asked to push her body to that limit. And I'm hope I hope I'm paraphrasing her at least closely and faithfully. Um, being able to or being asked to push her body to that limit uh, without the protections, both both from physical health, physical injury, and, and mental health, um, especially with everything that's happened with uh, USA Gymnastics in the last, you know, in the last handful of years. So there's there's a lot of pressure and uh, on, on the professionals, of course. There is tremendous pressure on the professionals because I say this frequently on our show that uh, for most of us, most of you listening, most likely, you know, this is not your... This is not your livelihood. It's not your, uh, um, you know, it's not how you make a living. It's not. It, it may define who you who you are in many ways, but it is for most of us, uh, you know, to some extent, a, a hobby, an obsession, uh, but not a profession. Um, and for these folks, it is it is both of those things probably. Um, and uh, but it does affect. It does impact. You know, the rest of us too. There's a lot of pressure that. Uh, that uh, we feel, I think, even as age group athletes, um, you know, performance anxiety concerns and and really the ability to to dig deep. When we had our most recent conversation with Cody, when when he was talking about really digging that hole, and I shared my uh, my own experiences with uh, uh, with how I had to change the way that I race since since having kids and since being basically like on the verge of burnout, <laughs> living on the edge of burnout pretty much every single day of my life. Um, the way that I race 
pace is very different and the the way that I train is quite a bit different. And that's, that's not physical. I mean, you know, sleep, there's less sleep. So there's some physical, physical effects there too, but a lot of it is mental. It's just the, you know, my ability to put myself in that box, for example, is, is a, one very specific tangible example is severely limited. And that's mostly because of, you know, my mental state rather than my, my physical state. And this is, in general, been a pretty big discussion point lately because COVID has really exacerbated a lot of these mental health struggles where people are feeling more isolated than they ever have before. They're feeling more alone, um, especially those people who don't have a spouse to open up to or have limited family that they can relate to. Um, and then the reality is that there, there are a number of families out there, and fortunately mine's not this way, but there are a number of families who aren't really accepting of the struggles people go through with mental health, where some people will just say, you know, tough it out, you're just having a bad day, you know, suck it up. Um, and sometimes it does take uh, your own mental strength to pull yourself out of a kind of a dark time. Mm -hmm. But I think you also need to have a strong support network that will be there to help you when you do fall and when you need a hand. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big challenge. And really, this is... Um, this this whole conversation, as we kind of mentioned before, is not necessarily going into the, the details, but just opening up the conversation. And for me, um, bringing a couple things to the forefront, um, which, like I said, it's a little bit therapeutic for me because I'm finally talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I suspect once we start looking out there and start asking the right questions and get people comfortable enough, we'll find that it's a lot more common and, and no one's as alone as they feel, that a lot of people struggle with the same thoughts and worries and uh, and struggles and knowing that there's someone else out there who's feeling the same thing is sometimes comforting uh, and it helps you find a support network that you might need. Absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned feeling alone and certainly um, COVID has absolutely placed a great strain uh, in the in that in that respect on on a lot of folks uh, psyche that that feeling of isolation and uh, and uh, you know humans are of course very very social animals and this is not a natural way for for people to be which is why you know it's often said that uh, solitary confinement in in detention is is one of the harshest punishments you can uh, you can uh, exact on a human being because we are just such social animals that it is incredibly difficult and incredibly damaging to to an individual's mental health. Uh, but interestingly, my own experience, and this is this is why COVID's been such a, you know, if I was <laughs> if I was uh, if I was a better stoic, I would say like it's been a very interesting time, but it's been a very hard time. Is that it affects people different people differently? So while I can one hundred percent see why some people would feel isolated and alone, my problem has been that I don't get enough alone time uh, in the. It's with uh, well, anyone in Ontario knows what our situation's been with with school closures, and I have school aged children, um, and I won't go into details, but suffice to say that uh, at least one of my kids has been at home, and I have two little guys. Uh, he's been at home most of the last eighteen months, and not in school, not in any kind of care, uh, and so with two working parents working from home, and a, and a you know a kid at home all the time, there are lots of parents listening to this who will be able to relate, um, and that is that has been the most difficult element of of uh, of COVID for me, and I mean there, I, I've had issues before COVID, but uh, especially through this time because I've had you know, the, the kind of the stress of, of trying to get my work done and then also my training done and also, you know, be with my, be with my son and, you know, be a good husband. And it's just the, the, 
the overwhelming weight of that responsibility and that to-do list, which just seems to grow, uh, that's been the kind of probably the biggest, the biggest weight that I've had to bear in the last 18 months. Um, and I kind of struggled with that sort of with that pressure in the past, but now it's been exacerbated. So it's, it's so, I'll, I'll keep using the word interesting. It's so interesting how with, you know, even though the, the specific, um, the specific, the specific pressures are different, the, the end result can often be the same. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very individual in how people handle these different challenges and react to them. And some people might be able to easily roll with it where other people just have a, a very tough time keeping their focus on a day-to-day level, uh, getting motivation, things like that. And there's there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on during COVID as well. So I, I know a number of people who've had deaths in the family and they couldn't attend funerals, um, right. you know, marriages breaking down, things like that. There's, there's a lot of very uh, acute pain points. And when you already feel isolated, it just makes that, it amplifies that pain you're feeling. And sometimes it's enough to trigger um, a, a period of depression for people who uh, may not have otherwise felt it. Um, so it's it's certainly, everyone's got a lot going on right now. Um, it's been a very tough time. Um, hopefully we're getting to the end of it. Uh, although every time we every time it feels like we get a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, then there's something else that's a little bit of a hiccup. So I think COVID is something that uh, we just need to roll with as well. And it may or may not ever go away. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you mentioned were some of the symptoms that, that I don't know if you were talking about yourself or you were talking about folks in general about, you know, inability to concentrate and, and, uh, and those, those symptoms. I think it's, it's worthwhile talking about some of the symptoms that, that maybe we've felt um, and then how they can be potential signs. Again, not certainly not treating or diagnosing anything here, folks, but, uh, but how, how uh, some of these things could be signs that uh, there is an underlying problem that, that may be worth at least having a chat with somebody about. And I'll, I'll speak to myself. For me, it's definitely, you know, I try to build my resiliency buffer up as high as possible because having two young children, there's, you know, that's, that's very frequently tested on a, on a regular basis. Um, and, uh, and when I'm, when I'm struggling, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely much shorter with them. My my patience for their their shenanigans is a lot less than it would be otherwise. Uh, you know, I'm much quicker to uh, to anger, which is not a good place to be when you're a parent of of young children. I mean, it's not a good. It's not anything that you really want. You know, it's not a good, it's not a good, uh, emotion at any, and at any time, but especially when you're trying to parent and parents in a, in a reasonable way. Um, and also just, uh, being able to, to, to deal with, uh, with, uh, with challenges, right. And we, there's a lot of, there's a lot of study in, in psychology these days and like cognitive, uh, neuroscience, uh, around resiliency. And broadly speaking, that concept is just the, the ability to kind of, to weather these setbacks. Um, and I feel like, you know, when, when times are good, I can store up a little bit of it and then I can, you know, kind of roll over the bumps in the road. But when, when those bumps get bigger and bigger and more numerous, I start to run out of gas so that even small, you know, admittedly, small things or, or things that, that wouldn't normally be, uh, be a problem could trip me into, you know, a few days of, of really some really negative emotions and, uh, and <laughs> not a, not a good place. So things like, um, certainly like be being more quick to anger, uh, the feeling that, 
you know, you're that you're unable to cope with the uh, the circumstances of life and not being able to focus, which is the one that, that I heard you, you mention, Andrew. Those are kind of the big ones, uh, the big ones for me. And when I start to feel those and I feel that from feel that way for more than, you know, a day or so, that's when I start to kind of, you know, I take notice and I start talking to people. Yeah, and the, the self-awareness is such a huge part of it. And that's something that I didn't have until recently. Um, I was, as a teenager, I was uh, kind of diagnosed with depression in a very broad strokes way. Um, and then I was put on medication and that was kind of the end of the, the, the medical approach. Um, hmm. And it was, it almost became, I think, in some ways an excuse where I would just defer to, well, I have depression. I have problems with depression. I have a history of depression. Um, and it was very easy to pass that off and not be accountable for, for my actions. Um, and when I'm in these low periods, um, it's, it's such an interesting feeling. Um, the way it manifests itself for me is this uh, just complete lack of motivation, lack of really caring about what happens. So just a general apathy, um, low energy levels, um, and almost wanting to punish myself and continuing to, to stay in that low, uh, depressed mood. So almost resisting coming out of it, which is so counterintuitive. Um, and that's, that is easy to get trapped into where you get into this self-pitying mode. And I've been in that in the past and I've, um, I've let people get family and friends come to help me and just kind of push them aside and not, not listen too carefully to their recommendations. Um, and it's, it's very easy to do. And it, it lets you stay in this, this self-pitying mode. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a big challenge to pull yourself out of. And, and medication can help with some of these things. But for me, the, the turning point was um, just being introduced to uh, some of the methods that you can use, some of the, the counseling techniques um, and the, I'll call them self-help methods, but cognitive behavioral therapy and, um, and just introspection to, to help understand what part of your psyche is hurting, what needs to be addressed, where the root cause is. And it's, it's not an easy journey. It's not something that's overnight. It's something you have to work on. And building up this self-awareness that I mentioned before, recognizing when you're in a situation that has the, the ability to draw you into uh, a prolonged depressive episode, um, it takes a lot to, to even recognize that because I was constantly, the things that I thought I loved uh, or sometimes still think that I love, um, those can be the triggers for me. And it's, it's very challenging to pull yourself away from that. Hmm. So tying it back into exercise, I have noticed that when I do get into one of these uh, extended periods, my energy levels do go down. But the one thing that helps pull me back is actually getting more active. And, and recently, in the past couple months, I was struggling. Uh, and I had, as we discussed previously, I hadn't been running a lot, which led to some of my other challenges. But uh, getting back into a full triathlon training plan, like I've been fairly, fairly good about it up until close to a year ago, uh, or yeah, I would say six or eight months ago. Um, I've been keeping on track, but it was tough when you weren't able to swim and, you know, mm -hmm. there's no, no one knows when the next race is going to be. So I eventually lost motivation, kind of crumbled there. Um, but bringing that back into my life, giving myself that outlet and that 
that race to look forward to. Um, that has really helped with my personal outlook, but also just the awareness of what the, the triggering mechanisms are and what would bring me down. And I do feel that um, it has been it has been an improvement lately. Um, it's a long journey, um, but it's it's still something that that I do struggle with on on a day to day basis. And there'll be times where just in, inexplicably, um, I feel terrible, um, and I can just be doing something completely unrelated to how I'm feeling, and I'll be kind of at the verge of tears. And it's uh, it's a really it's a difficult feeling to to be able to understand, um, just because it doesn't seem like there's a trigger. Um, and yeah, and it's something that's, uh, it's something I've been so reluctant to talk about just because I feel that there at least used to be a social stigma about it where, oh, you're just not tough enough or, you know, just man up, that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. realizing that, yes, there's some component of being able to mentally bring yourself out of these, or at least put yourself in a proper position where you can help yourself. Um, but there is a large component that can be either genetic or chemical and uh, medications can help to, to address some of these. But I think like taking the holistic approach where you get uh, counseling and therapy to help with it as well, that's, that's a big part. And I'm far from at the end of the, the path for this. Uh, it'll be an ongoing struggle, I'm sure, for my entire life. But it is something that once you have this awareness and you feel empowered to help yourself, it that in and of itself almost gives you a bit more strength because now you realize I'm actually more in control of this than I thought. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's something that, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's a little difficult to talk about uh, so openly, but it is something that um, I think we, we just need to keep the conversation going and the more normal it seems for everyone to to hear these kind of conversations and for people to come out and discuss it, um, the more likely other people will bring it up. And it's just you, you get, like I said before, this groundswell. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's not a stigma. It's just something that, you know, like having a cold, right? There's no guilt associated with having a cold. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with uh, any kind of mental health struggle, it should be kind of the same outlook where um, it's someone who needs assistance and that assistance comes in different forms and there shouldn't really be any blame or any any concern about what exactly the cause is and it shouldn't be something that uh, that you look down on other people about yeah i think you you've brought up so many great points here that uh, that i just really briefly want to touch on the first one that jumped out at me which was one that i've certainly experienced but i never I never thought too, too much about was, was when you said that, you know, activities that would, would normally bring you happiness and joy and satisfaction no longer felt that way. And I mean, I guess it's one of the more, you know, it's, it's a fairly uh, classic example of, uh, of depression from my, again, very, very surface understanding of it. Um, but that's, that's, a, that's certainly a way I felt many, many times where, especially around a race where, you know, I've been working hard towards a goal of some sort. And then where I just felt where I had a, you know, a, a low period and, uh, I've definitely, you know, not done races or, or, um, or really been very reluctant to race or, you know, uh, that's, that's in the, again, in the sporting context, you can take a broader lens and look at just interacting with other people. And I'm a social human being, but when I feel depressed, I definitely do not want to hang out around other people. Um, but, uh, 
and then you talked about you know just at the very end of what you, of your um, <clears throat> of what you were just saying here uh, about how uh, it helps when it's no long when you know mental health is no longer stigmatized. I think that's a huge that's a huge uh, takeaway from this. And I think as you correctly pointed out, that it is it is becoming much less of a stigma, but there's still stigma attached to it, especially in the you know, I think in the community that we find ourselves among, you know, the kind of the type A, high achieving, you know, uh, endurance athletic population where for for so many years we've been told and it's been beaten into us that the way you achieve success is through perseverance and through, um, you know, through not giving up and through overcoming obstacles. And you know, while a lot of that may be true, uh, that can lead people down a dark path because, you know, the kind of, it's not it's not a very long way from having that mindset, and then when you find something, you know, along your journey that really is a big struggle, and when you can no longer overcome that on your own, it, it can easily become a very you know a very rapid downward spiral. And so being able to, uh, you know, being able to ask for help and, and knowing that other people understand and feel the same way and that that you're not alone in the way that you're feeling. I think that's a very, as you say, as you said, I think that's a very powerful understanding that that if, you know, if we can, you know, if we can impart anything to our listeners, you are listeners from this conversation. I think that that would be the best the best takeaway. Yeah, just um, referring back to my notes, and I know this is a little disjointed, but uh, I knew it would be an emotional talk for me, so I maybe wasn't able to follow the full thread that I intended. But um, the the recap and the notes I put down was just the way exercise can benefit you is it can actually, and this is in my opinion, but um, when when you're exercising, you for me, it gives a little bit of a sense of purpose. It gives you a reason to get outdoors and experience things. Um, and it helps improve body image as well. And this is something that I wouldn't say I've struggled with, but it's always, I think for everyone out there, there's some component of body image struggles that, uh, that come up. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's been a part of it. And then obviously the, the direct effects that, uh, that was actually the genesis of this conversation. So talking about the, about the impact of lactate and pyruvate, uh, to, to help your brain chemistry or to help your, uh, your brain get out of this depressive mode. Um, but for me, those are the things I look at and I think, okay, this is why exercise is such an important part of my life because you really do get a high when you get a good workout and you come off of a good workout and it feels like you've accomplished something incredible and it's this fantastic feeling. And when I start to remove that from my life and when I'm not doing the workouts, that's where I start to to lack something. And maybe this is actually uh, a little bit of a sign of the obsession side of things where it becomes this high that you're always searching after. So, uh, and this is just an open-ended uh, point that I'm, well, not even a point, a topic that I'm bringing up, but uh, this could be an indication that it is something I rely too much on. But I do find that there are so many positive benefits for just getting out and seeing the world um, even when it's a rainy day, like there's, you know, something beautiful that you can experience in everything and getting outdoors, seeing that, feeling that, feeling the wind, feeling the, uh, sometimes the cold or the heat. It's, it's something that you're, even if it's not the most comfortable feeling, it's something that your body can, uh, can take in and can add to the, the experience of, um, just being the experience of living and, 
keeping that in mind, I think is, um, I think one of the most important things for me, because it's so easy to just let yourself go and go down this dark path and lose all motivation to do anything. And once you get into that loop, it's very hard to bring yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important point. Um, we didn't really touch on, you know, call it what you will, but like exercise addiction for lack of a proper term for it, but but relying on exercise for that mental health stability. I know I've gotten pretty close to it. Um, and and then, of course, as, as we talked about, if, you know, in, in depression, if then you choose not to or cannot uh engage in that stuff that's a that's a really hard fall um but uh yeah you can you can definitely take it too far in the you know you must train for for the mental health aspect of it uh my own again my own my, my own experience with uh with the uh with the added mental health benefits of exercise and i and i think this is borne out in, in in evidence in research but i have no studies to back this up listeners so <laughs> let's call it an anecdote instead is that uh i feel great when i do easy stuff so I mean, there's definitely like a big hit of of, uh, of endorphins and dopamine when you do really hard, intense workouts and you finish them and you feel totally spent but happy. But for and maybe I'm just getting old, but I find that that if I'm doing exercise purely for the for the sake of the mental health uh, aspects of it, what is defined as mild to moderate, traditionally thought of as mild to moderate exercise, I find has the biggest effects on me because, you know, going back to my own, my own struggles with, uh, with mental health recently, uh, most of it is triggered by the, you know, the sense of being overwhelmed by my to-do list and by never having time to myself, et cetera. Um, if I do, if I, if I train really hard and I'm totally spent and my, you know, I'm like glycogen depleted or, or very tired. Uh, and then I have to, you know, be a reasonable dad to my kids. Uh, that's really, really hard for me. And so that exacerbates my symptoms. So for me, if I'm, if, if I'm, if I'm struggling, I usually sort of downregulate the exercise intensity and just do easy to moderate stuff. So, you know, if we're talking, if, if we, if we put our, you know, sports scientists out, hats on or coach hats on, um, talking about like up to and including lactate threshold work, sorry, no, uh, lower lactate threshold. So LT1 aerobic threshold, um, uh, not, nothing higher, nothing harder than that. Uh, I find that, that for me, that exercise in that domain is the most, uh, is the most effective for mental health benefits without also burning me out. But again, that's just my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a sample size of two, I feel exactly the opposite, <laughs> where uh, the harder workouts are the ones that make me feel better. There so, you go. <laughs> I think that, well, doesn't it's literally the smallest sample you can have to have uh, results that don't agree. But, um, That's right. But I think it's very personal. So if you totally. find something that, that makes you feel better about exercise, um, then being able to replicate that in a safe and healthy way, I think, is ultimately um, what we're advocating here. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, listeners, we hopefully we've uh, we've opened a little bit of a window for you, uh, or maybe actually, I would say hopefully that window was already wide open for you if you were struggling with mental health that you, you know, that you were already comfortable talking to other people, and hopefully you have other people to talk to. And if not, I mean, you can always send us a note. Uh, we're certainly not not counselors or, or mental health folks by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, uh, you know, at least you'll find a sympathetic ear. So. Um, 
thank you as always for uh, for tuning in. Um, we do have some some pretty cool guests lined up for you into uh, the end of August and into September, which we're very excited about. But until we've recorded those episodes, I'm not going to talk about because that's embarrassing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we got this great guest, and then that that person doesn't show up. But uh, we're uh, yeah, we're listening to you. We're uh, we're hearing what you got to say and what you want to hear on our show, and uh, we are pursuing those folks and uh, and those topics so keep uh, listening if you like the show give us a rating and a review on itunes and also consider joining uh our pa- our growing patreon family in uh, helping us make the show thanks for listening everyone <laughs> <laughs>